A friend of mine with his wife went for a holiday in Prague. And when they came back, we went to see them. And they had lots of photos to show us about the beauty of the place. One photo I noticed uh, of them and uh, some figure that uh, it looks familiar. I paid attention and I laughed and I said, well, that person looks like Tom Cruise, the actor. And my friend smiled at me and he said, well, that is because this is Tom Cruise. And I said, oh, wow. Well, you don't normally meet celebrities like this. So tell me a little bit about him. I know the name. Uh, I know the face. I know that he's a talented actor, but I don't know more. And he said, well, you would not believe it. He was very kind. He was uh, 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 very happy to come to have his photo being taken with us. Uh, uh, we uh, watched some aspect of the filmings, and uh, he was not uh, at all harsh or uh, proud or anything. And uh, uh, my friend said, you know, you need to spend time to get to know people so that you can uh, understand who they are. It is important to spend time with them, uh, to get to know them well. It is a very wise saying indeed. Now we have a greater character than Tom Cruise. We have the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And I wanted to introduce him to you. I want you to know who he is. Uh, get to have uh, a deep relationship with him so that you can trust him. And uh, I chose this little story here to uh, share a little bit about him, and we will see what the Lord will reveal to us about himself here. Notice that this story, if you have uh, one of these Bibles that have cross-referenced, uh, that the story is repeated uh, in different Gospels. So we read it in Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. The story also is mentioned in uh, Gospel of uh, Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. And in John chapter 6, 17 to 21. Why would the Holy Spirit inspiring the authors to write the story three times? I guess it's important. The Lord is, is, uh, is directing our eyes to pay attention to such stories like this. Because each writer wrote from a special angle. So the whole picture will be vivid and rich and uh, uh, and helpful to us. And today I would like to share with you briefly three points. The first one is the call we receive. The second is the crisis we face. And then third, the claim we believe in. The call, the crisis, and the claim. So verses 44 and 45, the call. It was a long day for the disciples. A day uh, was full of supernatural activities. Uh, we see uh, in uh, uh, the beginning of the chapter, the Lord Jesus Christ chose his 12 disciples. And then he sent them in twos. And he gave them a commission to preach uh, the good news so that people can repent. To cast out demons and to anoint the sick with oil uh, and heal them. And we see this in verse 12 and 13. Then they came back. They came back astonished. They came back rejoicing. They came back with amazing reports. 
and uh, uh, we hear, uh, hear again about them. They told him all things, both what they had done and what uh, they had taught. Gracious Lord, we, uh, we, we prayed for the sick and they were healed. We just uh, took an open air and suddenly people were on their knees repenting. It's great news indeed. And uh, the Bible tells us here that they did not have time to rest, nor even time to eat. And Jesus, the great teacher, was concerned about them. So he called them and said, come aside by yourselves to a deserted places and rest for a while. But the ministry demands never stops. People start flocking and gather together to hear the Lord Jesus speaking. And after that, we have the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 uh, with five loaves and two fish. And again, they did not have time to rest or to reflect about what's going on in this amazing day that they have been going through. So now we have Jesus commanding them in verse uh, 45, it tells us here that he made his disciples. He commanding them. He said, that's it. You leave right now and cross the lake to Bethsaida. Uh, the disciples, I imagine them looking at one another and saying, am I hearing right? Is he calling us to leave here right now? Here in the midst of this? Yes. I can imagine Peter being the spokesman of the disciples, would say, uh, but sir, the ministry is here. Uh, the success is here. Uh, we have uh, 5,000 people are listening to you. This is a revival. Uh, why would we leave? Uh, we have been taught by you, and that is amazing. We have been fed as well. That, that is uh, satisfactory. Why should we leave here and now? What shall we do in Bethsaida? Strange command, but nevertheless, they obeyed. Their thinking, their aim was here and now. But Jesus had a further aim for them. He wanted them to rest, to calm down, and to reflect. He wanted them to come apart before they fell apart. The people around Jesus and the disciples saw the physical needs. And John reports to us that when they ate and were satisfied, they intended to kidnap Jesus and declare him a king. But Jesus wanted his followers to know who he is, not just only the sustainer and the provider for the needs, but he is the God of the universe. He wanted them to know that he has uh, 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 the power to sustain the whole life, has the ability to uphold the whole creation. And the reason the disciples did not get it, we read about it in verse 52. We are told, for they had not understood about the loaves, their heart were hardened. What about you? Do you know him who calls you? Do you know Jesus, whom you are carrying his name as a Christian. Do you take him with you to a private place, to a quiet place, and enjoy a communion with him, reading his words, 
uh, spending time to reflect on his character, on his love, on what he has done for you? Would you commune with him to tell him about what you are feeling, what you are going through, asking for his advice and for his uh, leading to you? Do you trust him? Do you obey him, even if he asks you to do something unexpected? Does your life reflect the qualities that Jesus is demanding of his people? Do you take time to learn from him? Or you are always busy? When I came to the UK first time, I was invited uh, to stay in London uh, 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 in a house of some of my friends. And uh, the children kept telling me that uh, I'm going to share the room with Henry. So I was looking forward to meet Henry, uh, whom I'm going to share the room with. Until the evening, and I was taken to my room to discover that Henry was a hamster. <laughs> it was the first time in my life to see what it appeared to be a big rat, and I was so frightened. And the following day, uh, my friend's uh, wife asked me if I had slept well. She could see from my red eyes that I haven't. And that is because not just only I was frightened, but because the hamster hasn't stopped running on the treadmill all night long. And I wonder that if we are sometimes, excuse the expression or the illustration, like hamsters, we are running from one place to another, from one meeting to another, from one activity to another, even sometimes if it's good activities or good meetings. Do we have time to digest our Christian faith? Or we are on the treadmill of life, running and running and running until we are going to have a heart, spiritual heart attack. The call. Jesus is calling us to come aside by ourselves and have some rest. Verse 47 and 48 comes to the crisis, the second point. Jesus commands the disciples to uh, move to the other side, uh, and uh, the boat was in the middle of the lake. The Lord Jesus was not with them. And suddenly, the wind started to get stronger, and the waves getting higher and higher, and it seems that a very strong storm is coming along. And there, the disciple faced the crisis. In verse, in verse 48, we were told that they were straining at the rowing. Twelve strong men together in one small boat, and they were straining at at the rowing. They were trying to reach their destiny, but it was difficult. Three quarters of the night, and they were struggling. It's a crisis. Some may say that, well, there is a problem here. Did Christ know about this storm? Or he didn't. If he knew about the storm and let his disciple to go through this crisis does not show us that he doesn't care about them, does not show us that he's just only interested in his own agenda. Or if he knew about it, but, uh, but let them 
uh, go through it, what does this tell us about Jesus? Or perhaps he didn't know. Perhaps he's not the almighty God that you are trying to, uh, to, to tell us about. Well, let us reconcile this. The Lord Jesus Christ knew about the storm, and he also allowed his disciple to go through it. The disciple, the disciple had a Christological problem, and Jesus wanted to teach them something, which he repeatedly said to them. We hear about it in John 15, verse 5, when he said to them, Without me, you can do nothing. You cannot talk to people about me if you don't know me. You cannot explain to them who I am without having first-hand experience. Our American friends uh, have uh, the eagle as their symbol. And uh, if you are reading through the American uh, publications, you know how the eagle teach their youngs how to fly. Eagles do have uh, their nest high in the mountain, very strong, very secure, and very soft. And the mother every day will bring food to the young ones. And then one day, the young expecting the mother to come with the food, but the mother comes empty-handed. Not only that, but she's doing something very strange. She's pushing them out of the nest, out of their comfort zone. And they start to fall out of the, of the nest. What are you doing, mom? Well, now it's time to exercise your wings and start to fly. There's something very important about this story. Notice the area where the crisis took place. Most of the disciples were fishermen. They knew the sea very well. They knew it like the back of their hands. They have experience in rowing. They know how to navigate the rudder and, and the boat. But the crisis appeared in the area of their strength. It is a time to show submission to the higher power, to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you have a crisis, what do you do? When you have a crisis, do you go to ask help from the Lord, or do you wrestle by it by yourself? Perhaps you are an accountant, and suddenly the crisis appears in the finance you are dealing with. And you think that, well, I know how to handle finance. Yet, nevertheless, here is the crisis. Perhaps you are thinking of the future and you have planned everything out and you know everything about the next step and suddenly all your plans come in crashing. Or perhaps there is a sin in your heart and God is pointing out to you about it and you are not paying attention. There is a time when the Lord says, go, because he wants you to reflect on what you are going through. Remember here, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who gave the command to the disciples. He is the one who asked them to go. He is the one who is responsible at the end because he is their master. And where is Jesus? Well, the story tells us that he went to the mountainside to pray. He was praying for them. He looked at them from a distance and he saw that they were struggling and he was praying for them. We have a great intercessor who is praying for us continually. 
You see, he told Peter in Luke chapter 22, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. God wants us to know him better and to involve him in every aspect so that we can know him deeper, so that we can experience him in a deeper manner. Last year, uh, Joan and I, we uh, prepared to film uh, a project, and this project was about uh, the heroes and the heroines of the faith, five men, five women who became Christian and they decided to dedicate their activities for the well-being of the communities in which they are living in or were sent to. One of these uh, missionaries was uh, Gladys Elward, who uh, at the age of 26 uh, was attending a revival meeting and she heard the preacher asking and uh, demanding of the, those who have committed the, the, their lives to the Lord to dedicate their energy for his service. <clears throat> Gladys Elward decided to go to China and uh, uh, went to a region called Yangshan. And there she was ministering and she was telling people about Jesus. And on her second year in, in the province of uh, Yangshan, uh, she had a very strange call. The prison uh, warden is, is asking her to come and meet him. Uh, and she was wondering, what is that about? Anyway, she went to see him and uh, said, what is going on? And he said to her, there is a riot in the prison. And I want you to go down uh, and calm the prisoners. And she said, uh, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Uh, th that's not my uh, responsibility. And he said, well, I have been listening to you. You were telling people, if you believe in Jesus, there is nothing else to fear. Therefore, show us that as you believe in Jesus, that you have nothing to fear. So go and calm the prisoners. And she thought about it and prayed. And she said, Lord, I cannot do it on my own. These are killers. What shall I do? Help me. She said she went in and she saw a mayhem. The prisoners were killing one another, beating one another. Here is someone running like a maniac with, the, with an axe in his hand and approaching her. And calmly she said to him, stop and give me this axe. And to her surprise, he was like a lamb before her and he gave her the axe. And she said, what's going on? I need someone to represent you to tell me what is the problem. And they told her that they don't have enough food and they don't have enough activities to do. So she talked to the prison warden and told him what to do. You see, if we take our burden to the Lord Jesus Christ, he is able to take this burden off you and give you his rest. The Lord Jesus Christ is a man of prayer. We see him always praying. He was in communion with his heavenly father. And it's something very encouraging for us to always be in communion with him in praying and in asking his help. I like the book of uh, Nehemiah. And the reason I like that book is because you have these short prayers. In modern day, we can call it tweets. Very short. Oh, Lord, remember this. Oh, Lord, help me to do that. 
It's a great help for us Christians to know that we have a direct line with the author of heaven and earth who is encouraging us to come to him with everything, with all our burdens, with all our care, and let him deal with that. So we have seen the call, the crisis, and now we come to the final point, verses 50 to 52, the claim, the claim. It was uh, in the fourth watch of the night, the Bible tells us, that's between three and six o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to meet his disciples in a very strange manner. He was walking on the water. You see, in the middle of the crisis, Jesus didn't send uh, an angel. He didn't send uh, a, a messenger to tell them that it's going to be all right. He came himself. They all saw him, and they were very terrified. They were afraid. They failed to recognize him. Because uh, during the time of uh, panic, during the time of confusion, they didn't know who's with them and who's against them. Because they were straining at the rowing. They lost the ability to think. They thought that it was a ghost. Uh, they allowed their mind to go, uh, to go straight, to, to be... Uh, uh, driven by all kinds of imaginations. How about you? When you are in crisis, what do you do? Do you give yourself the bad possible explanation to what's going to happen? Or do you bring it to the Lord? Are you like a horse blind and folded, running in one track? Or are you thinking of the manual, the Bible, to come and to speak to him? The, the disciples did not remember the Sabbath uh, Sunday school or the Sabbath school they, they used to have uh, in the Old Testament. And uh, they didn't re remember Job in chapter 9 saying that he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Who is he that is God himself? They did not see his ability, his greatness. How could they lead others to Christ if they do not know his reality and his identity? How could they ask him to, uh, uh, to trust him in their crisis if, if they don't know him? How could you ask someone to help you if you don't trust him? Well, in the time of crisis, do you see Jesus treading on your fears? Or you are fighting in all fronts and not having any peace at all? I was reading a story about uh, uh, um, the owner of a wood factory who lost his watch, and it was a very precious watch to him. So he was saying to the workers, uh, I lost my watch in the, in the factory here uh, among the, dust, the sawdust, and I would give a prize for someone who would find it for me. And all the workers went into the factory, and they were looking here and there and, and sweeping, and uh, they couldn't find anything. And then uh, lunchtime came, and they all left. And behold, a little boy went inside. Five minutes later, he came out with the watch. And uh, he received the prize. And they asked him, how did you manage that when we all tried and we couldn't find it? He said, ah, the secret is I lay down quiet. And I listened. And then suddenly I started to hear the ticking. And that led me to know where is the watch. You see, this is what we need. 
If we wanted to find peace, we need to sit quiet. We need to come to him and say like Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The Lord spoke at last. Very short sentence, but full of deep meanings. What did he say to them? Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now the disciples can understand. They can believe him. And when he said to them, and surely I will be with you always to the end of the age, they can trust him for that. Jesus started to reveal his identity to the disciples. Unfortunately, in the English translations, we have lost the deep meaning of what Jesus said. In the Greek, he used two words, emi egel, or in the Hebrew language, it is yahi, which uh, when you take this in the uh, uh, origin of the root of the word, it is the word Yahweh. Remember when God spoke of old with Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 3, when Moses asked him, who do I tell the people you are? And God said to Moses, I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. What Jesus said here is he said, it is I am. He used the same name as God in the Old Testament used. In Isaiah 43, God himself speaks through Isaiah saying this, I am he before me, there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no other Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is the great I am. The Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the great Yahweh. He is the Almighty God. And now he is revealing himself to them. He's saying to them, look, it is I who fed the multitude. You brought me five fish, uh, five loaves and two fish. I fed 5,000. It's more than you just have given me. I created food for them. It is I who send you beforehand. It is I who give you the authority over the demons. It is I who give you the authority to heal those who were sick. It is I who cause people to repent when they listen to your message. Without me, you can do nothing. It is I. It is I, when I come to the boat, the wind die down. Few chapters in chapter four, we see a similar story. When the Lord Jesus Christ entered uh, uh, the boat and the boat was in the middle of the sea and there was a great storm and Jesus stood and said, silence, stop, and the wind died down. Here we have a similar story, but Jesus did not even speak. The wind died down of itself under his command. He's the one who's saying to you today, I am he. I am the one who's able to calm your raging sea. I am the one who's able to establish your sinking ground. I am the one who is asking you to come to me and I will give you rest. That trust me for your salvation. I have done it all for you. All you have to do is to come to me. 
Listen to him saying to you, do not be afraid. Be of good cheer. He can come to our aid in an hour when we do not think, in ways that we do not expect. And when he comes, all will be calm. All will be calm. If you are struggling today, the Lord is saying to you, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Bishop Pryor uh, in uh, his commentary wrote uh, these, uh, making comparison uh, with, the, with the believers of Jesus and the disciples. He said this, like the disciples, we are now tossed to and from uh, by storms, and we do not enjoy the visible presence of our Lord. Like the disciples, we shall see our Lord face to face again, though it may be a time of great extremity. When he returns, like the disciples, we shall see all things change for the better. When our masters uh, comes to us, we shall no longer be buffed by storms. There shall be a great calm. This is the Savior. Or maybe this is the first time you hear about the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, you have not believed in him and you don't know the way to heaven. And now you are in the midst of the storm in your life. You are straining at rowing and you don't know. There is a responsibility for you to hear because the Lord Jesus Christ is saying this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he is with me. Maybe you say, well, but I don't know how. How to do this? Well, there are two things you need to know and one thing to do. Two things to know and one thing to do. One, the first thing is you need to realize the authority of God's word and what does it reveal to us. You cannot save yourself. If you are swimming and suddenly you get cramp and you are drowning, you cannot help yourself. You need an external help to come to save you from the water. And that is what the Bible is telling us. In this life, you can improve your situation. You can work hard so you get a better salary. You can improve your look. You can improve your dress code. But there are things that you cannot do. You can do good works that people uh, praise you for, but God does not accept these things. You are in the position like the disciples. Uh, you are struggling. You are facing a storm, and you are not able to reach to the shore. The Bible tells us that you cannot save yourself. You need to know the truth about yourself and about what the Bible is saying through God's word. Secondly, you need to know that Jesus is able to save you. Jesus is able to do what you cannot do. Jesus came to this earth. He came and he lived a perfect life, something that you and I could not have done. He obeyed all God's commandments. Even his enemies said that we could not find uh, uh, him doing anything wrong. Yet Jesus went to die on the cross, carrying upon himself the punishment for our iniquity. And the Lord God the Father accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. Therefore, God the Father will accept you 
through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on your behalf when you believe in him. Uh, the great hymn writer John Newton at the end of his life, he says this, he says, although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. So these are the two things you need to realize. You need to know the authority of scripture, that this is God's word. You need to understand what Jesus can do for you. And one thing you have to do, and that is to open your hands and to receive this free salvation that he has prepared for you. To trust him, to ask him to come to your life, to take control of it, and he will lead you on. And suddenly, the storms of life will die down. Well, look at the response of the disciples according to Matthew. It says this, Then those who were where in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When we have read in Mark that their hearts were hardened, now they realize who Jesus is, and they say to him, Truly, you are the Son of God. Do you worship him based on knowledge? Do you tell him, You are the master of my life? You are the son, of, the son of God, and I trust you to lead me on now and forever. Would you be able to explain your faith to others and to share the gospel with them so that they can benefit, like you, of his salvation? May the Lord help us all. Amen.